0: Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners around the world to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Liz Feldstein in Jerusalem, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Podash, in California. Alan, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Liz. How about you?
0: I'm also doing well.
1: Good. I know the, uh, the demonstrations or protests are still taking place on Saturday nights. I'm not going to ask if you attended or not, but I think it's important for us to just show that they're still happening. And um, it's interesting because the challenges that still are, are around the the reason for the protests that still, are still out there. that The judicial reform piece has still not um, been resolved, although it seems to have been taking a little bit of a break. I, I do want to start...
0: Correct that it is not resolved. Yes. And I I believe protests are happening in other parts of the world as well, which we had talked about on a previous episode. But um it seems to be that, you know, wherever there are Jews, there are people who want to make their voices heard on this particular issue of judicial reform. And wherever uh, Israel's elected officials are traveling to. The local communities are wanting to make their concerns heard. So it's definitely an ongoing issue.
1: Is it surprising for Israelis to see Americans demonstrating over a situation like this, and then also having it be a challenge for members of Knesset to participate in some of these parades or rallies?
0: So that's a really interesting question. I um, i think that the israeli response or reaction to hearing that there are n- non-israelis protesting on this issue is probably somewhere between surprise and a questioning of what like what really is the understanding behind that those viewpoints and what is the motivation behind them because on the one hand You know, even if we talk specifically about American Jewry, you know, Israelis have heard for years and years now that fewer and fewer Americans have an opinion about Israel at all, right? Care about Israel, identify with Israel, think there's anything interesting or important or miraculous about Israel. And so that doesn't really jibe with then hearing that there are Jews in America who are protesting, you know, um the judicial reform. So I think for Israelis it's a little bit, it is surprising, I guess, like you said. But also we realize that things that make news doesn't necessarily mean that those are the largest numbers or the largest segments of society. So just because you had a few people, you know, protesting something, it doesn't mean that most American Jews are paying that close of attention to what happens with, you know, decisions in the Israeli government, which is probably true.
1: The Times of Israel just uh, updated that there's the Israel parade going on in New York City, and that several members of the Knesset are there, and there does not seem to be any obstruction to the parade so that's a positive thing Mm -hmm. i I do want to just digest digest not digest digress for a second and just share my condolences to the families of the three soldiers that were murdered uh over the weekend uh on the border of egypt and the negev i mean it's a very peaceful border between israel and egypt and it's kind of shocking to learn that there was a uh, an attack on a base in israel from an, a person who uh, came through the gates of of the border i just wanted to just share their names and help me if i mispronounce any of them but there were three soldiers that were murdered uh, sergeant leah ben nun she's 19. staff sergeant ori yitzhak Iluz, he was 20 and Staff Sergeant Ohed Dahan 20 uh, and the funerals are starting to take place today so it's a it's a tragic day for families but it's also a tragic day for all of Israel knowing that the border with Egypt has been a pretty peaceful border since Israel created peace with Egypt in 1979. you have any insight into this
0: um I don't know about insight but the yes the three funerals all took place today um and I I'm trying to think you know what is it that feels a little bit different about this particular incident right we are no strangers to terror attacks in Israel we know that soldiers are at risk that, you know it is not it is dangerous to be in the army, obviously some jobs and some locations more so than others. But, um, but I think because of what you said that traditionally and historically the border with Egypt has been a relatively quiet one. Um, and also, you know, it just seems so, I don't know, premeditated isn't the right word. Obviously it was premeditated, but If you think of, you know, these two young soldiers, 19 and 20 years old, sitting in a little booth someplace doing their overnight duty and not expecting anything particularly interesting to happen, to be, you know, murdered. And then for the rest of their soldiers to, you know, not know why they're not getting a response on the radio and have to go looking and find that that's what happened. I mean, this is... um, it is shocking and traumatic, and I my heart goes out not only to the families but to all the rest of the soldiers. You know that um, that know that that means it, it could be anybody at any time, really. If on a quiet border, a place that's not expecting any action, um, you know, it's scary.
1: Um, I agree with you that it's scary. I think the other thing for me is we were just in that area for Yom Sma'ut. We were done in Nitsana. Uh, celebrating Yom HaSmoot with the community there. So, although not that I knew these individuals at all, but it's just the part of the country that isn't very populated, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, or at the end of nowhere, the end of Israel, that is. And you just don't think of these things happening. So, I, mm-hmm. I guess the question—I guess the question that will have to be answered is: How did something like this happen, and what, what, um, what impact? security on that border will israel have to uh, elevate or escalate their their surveillance and their security it's just a big question and i know that there'll be an investigation by the army to understand what happened and how to prevent it from happening again but i just i just want to be sure yeah
0: i guess we know that you know there there are border checkpoints and their soldiers posted there for a reason and it's an unfortunate reminder that you know they that there there is a need to to be vigilant and to be protecting all of our borders because there are neighbors who aren't such big fans
1: that's uh that's one way to put it uh i want to just uh ask you a couple of other questions i don't mean to just you know, slowly let that situation go by. But um, there are all sorts of things going on in Israel that are positive. Uh, And I want to just share with you your thoughts on the Jerusalem Pride Parade that took place on Thursday of last week. Uh, I'm not sure many people understand that Israel has been a leader in pride parades for many, many years. Uh, Most recently in Jerusalem, uh, there's a strong pride parade. I've had the opportunity to visit or be uh, an observer during pride parades in Tel Aviv and Berlin and New York, all over the world. And I just think it's very interesting that, you know, Jerusalem uh, has a a pride parade. Any insights into that?
0: So on that note, maybe just one small thing I would say is that the Pride Parade in Jerusalem is quite different from Pride Parades in Tel Aviv or elsewhere in the world. Um, you know, the Jerusalem is a mixed city, is a city with very large religious populations, and I would say that the tenor of the Pride Parade in Jerusalem is influenced by that and to a large extent, respectful of that, and it's much less um, sort of a a wild celebratory kind of event, and more really of a of a demonstration. Um, the the Pride Parade in Jerusalem has always been about making a statement about the importance of equality and equal rights, um, and that is something that the LGBT community in Israel very much still needs to fight for, right? We don't have a way for same sex couples to formalize uh, marriage inside of Israel. We don't have a way for same sex couples to adopt um, or avail themselves of surrogacy or all sorts of rights that most of us, some of us, would like to see happen. Um, And so you know, that is kind of more what the what the focus of the Jerusalem Pride Parade is about, which I think maybe is a little bit less on the agenda of Pride Parades in other parts of Israel and in other parts of the world. So, just
1: mentioning. So a little more subdued, but yet still a statement of purpose and values. For sure, I do know that uh, there was a there was tension. There was generated by uh, protesters around the pride parade i don't think that that manifested itself i think that police and security protected that pretty well Uh, did you hear of any uh, protesters challenging the pride parade in jerusalem
0: i i did not um and that look that has been a concern of course every year and especially since 2015 when one of the um, teenagers who was in the Pride Parade was murdered. Um, But one of the topics leading up to this year's Pride Parade was the fact that um, in his role as the Minister of Security, I guess, Itamal Benville is the person who was charged with maintaining safety and security at the Pride Parade as a major, you know, public event. Well, he... Is the not the most LGBT-friendly person, and many others that he has surrounded himself with are outright and proud, you know, homophobes and non-supporters of gay rights, Um, and so that he should be the person charged with protecting this event was a little bit strange, and there was a request before the parade that he actually abdicate that responsibility and hands it off to someone else and he said no I can do my job I will do my job and I guess he did because everyone stayed safe but that was yet another tension that we have here in Israel
1: so that that's a really interesting dichotomy when you have an individual who's now responsible for state security or safety who himself had been a provocateur in previous, um pride parades so i think that's very interesting it actually elevates him a little bit in terms of responsibility i don't know about values but clearly responsible for the role that he plays as uh a, in security and safety for people
0: uh, yes
1: so the question is did he receive any praise or accolades for refraining himself
0: I don't know about that. Look, doing your job is kind of the minimum, right? I mean, if it's your job to keep uh, public demonstrations safe and you do that, I'm not sure how many accolades you should get for that. But, um, but certainly, he did do his job.
1: One of the things that you and I like to talk, talk about, and I'm going to make a transition here because there's kind of along with the parade and so on, our festivals in Israel. You're very good at helping me. Learn exciting festivals. Are any festivals coming up that you're aware of?
0: So, I do know that this week in Jerusalem is the Jerusalem Arts Festival, which is as uh, broad and varied as the name sounds like. I think the um, three days of the festival encompass basically anything that one could perhaps call an art form. There are music activities, there are photography activities, there are writing workshops, there are a whole series of events taking place um, with sort of a different focused location each day. Um, the first of which I think is right near where you were staying the last time you were here in Jerusalem, where there's a, a new arts campus um, on Bezalel Street in Jerusalem. And so that's the location of the the first day. And then the second day, they'll be in another neighborhood of Katamon and the last day uh, in, in Karem. So um, So all different events. I don't know if I'll get out to any, but if I do, I will let you know. Um, they sound very interesting.
1: Are these organized by the municipality or by nonprofits?
0: These, this is organized as an event by the municipality. There's a person whose job it is to be the Arts director for this particular event. Um uh, so yes, by the municipality, I think the theme this year, which is very interesting, is largely about people meeting and being physically together because we are still in a post-COVID world, you know. On the one hand, people forget that there ever was a time where we were doing things so differently and not getting together or only certain numbers of people or only at certain distances. But on the other hand, the habits that we developed during that period, I think some of them are harder to get out of. And so the the theme that was chosen for this, this festival was very much to bring people together. So it's all about finding different physical spaces for people to enjoy arts in. Together,
1: well, if you do have a chance to go and visit or experience it, please share that next week. I have to ask you a question. You mm-hmm. uh, you have shared in the past about a soup festival. Is that any time soon?
0: The soup festival is in the winter. Silly, who eats soup <laughs> in the hot drizzle in summer? The soup festival is in the winter, but um, last summer. The same hotel that hosts the soup festival, which it has done now for quite a few years, decided to try a summer version, which was the focaccia festival. And last year was the first one. And I wanted to make it and I called to make a reservation and it turns out that it had just finished the day before. So last summer I missed it. This summer I will make a point of getting to the focaccia festival before it closes so that i can report back
1: that has to be a most unusual festival a focaccia festival i
0: mean i mean it's not so different than the soup festival actually it's like the same thing just without the soup because the soup festival also has lots of breads and spreads to have with the soup and so i think this is like different kinds of breads like from the taboon, from the wood-burning oven, and um, and different toppings and spreads and things that one might put on focaccia, different roasted vegetables and things like that. So I think that's what they have. That is my assumption.
1: Well, you'll let us know when you do participate. Yes. I, you know, today is a very interesting day. We've had a wide variety of topics that we've discussed from the... I
0: know. I don't think we have a running theme. This is just like <laughs> random Random Israel well, that, news
1: day. It's usually how I operate—just spur the moment and stream of consciousness. But I, I do want to close on an upbeat note, uh, and I'm not quite sure how how to talk about it because I'm not a, a soccer fan by any means. But I'm always impressed when Israel does s- succeed at a sporting event, uh, and I read this week that Israel's World Cup soccer team for under 20s beat uh brazil and are now in the semifinals, which for me is kind of mind-boggling that israel could beat a, a powerhouse uh team like brazil um i'm gonna put you on the spot here what what's this about
0: so with yeah i can this is something i can speak to with no authority whatsoever but i can tell you that there are many Israelis who would tell you this is the most important and momentous thing that is happening in Jerusalem, uh, in Israel this week. So we would certainly be remiss if we did not mention it. Um, You know, that Israelis, like most of the world, are huge soccer fans. And the last time that an Israeli team was in any world cup was in 1970. So that's going back quite a ways. Um, And in this case, it's the the younger team, the up to 20 team, which means that it's a mix of players who are already playing on a on the professional level, I guess you would say, and some that are a little bit younger. And actually, it means that in order to play in this World Cup, some of the players have to get released from the teams for which they play all around the world in order to come back and then represent Israel. So in this case, actually, one of the players who is considered the best is not even playing on the team this year because he couldn't get released from his other professional team that he plays on. So it's even more surprising that Israel is doing as well as they are doing. And yeah, so far in the semifinals, we'll see what happens. And a lot of Israelis very, very excited about this.
1: You know the surprising thing about Israel is it's a very very small country, and the successes that Israel achieves—you know whether it's the Eurovision that took place a couple of weeks ago in third place, which is a celebratory thing for third place—is significant. And now you've got you know soccer under twenty beating powerhouse teams like Brazil and others. It just goes to show the the impact of a small little country. That people are very happy about, which leads me to my concluding comment for the day, and that's the happiness index. How can i a...
0: How often do they do this happiness index?
1: No, I'm just bringing it up again, and no new one. Okay. Um, but the, here's here's this country that is constantly having challenges and dealing with all sorts of different things, but yet excels or demonstrates its ability to outshine other countries whether it's third place in the Eurovision or, you know, the uh, soccer or other things, it's a resilient, vibrant community, which makes it into a happy society, which we didn't get to the topic that we wanted to talk about. And that's the cost of living issue. So just to conclude on my end, and I'll let you wrap up, but here you have a country that is this collection of all sorts of challenges. And Yet it's still happy, even though it has one of the highest cost of living indexes uh, in the modern world, and it's b- becoming an issue in the country and for people.
0: I am um, yes, that is an interesting juxtaposition of how Israel manages to have both of those truths exist at the same time, um, and in a totally anecdotal way i I think that maybe um both of those things have something to do with the fact that you know being a young country only seventy five years old here in Israel, we're comprised of a population that has come from all over the world, right a real like in gathering over just a couple of generations which means you have people from all different backgrounds and walks of life and, uh, and, and talents. And also, Israelis are a very passionate people, which kind of means that whatever it is that you're passionate about, you can find at least a few other people that sh- you share that with, and then find ways to, to excel in it together, I guess, which is why, In my mind, even though we're such a small country, there are real pockets of success. We can have, you know, really talented singers and really talented athletes because there are, you know, just enough people to sort of get behind them and support them, right? We know nobody becomes a superstar all by themselves. It's many years of practice and coaches and training and people believing in them. Um, And I think there is something about Israel that allows that to happen, uh, in part because of the diverse background of our citizens. But who knows? I just made that up. Well,
1: that's a, that's a good way to conclude. Anything else you want to add today?
0: Um, that's all. I will, uh, whenever I see the high cost of products, I will just remind myself that according to the happiness index, I'm supposed to be happy anyway. So I'll see if that power of positive thinking <laughs> helps uh, defray the reaction to what the the bills come out as.
1: Even though your tube of toothpaste costs four times more in Israel than in some European countries.
0: Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> well, everybody, thank you all for listening. This has been Israel Rebound, a podcast bringing ideas and stories from Israel to people around the world. Thank you very much, Liz.
0: Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everyone.